It is a pleasure to be with you as we are celebrating this second week in Advent. And a part of uh, our Advent celebrations this year is we're doing a series called Joy to the World. It's that uh, line from that famous Christmas hymn, um, but it also reminds us that we as God's people are called indeed to bring joy to the world. And so throughout this series, we're not only talking about how do we live as Advent people here at Trinity, but what does it mean to be a part of a church around the world uh, that is on mission together, bringing that joy and that hope to others. So during this uh, series, uh, in every message, you actually have an opportunity to hear from one of our missions partners, Uh, and this morning we're going to be hearing again from one of those partners uh, that's working in Central and Eastern Europe. But before we hear from them, before we even dive into God's word, we want to take some time to allow God to prepare our hearts and our minds for the message he has for us. So would you please bow your heads and pray with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you that during the season you call us to wait on you so that in our waiting we might hear your voice, so that in our waiting we might not be passive, but we might be active, seeking your kingdom, bringing foretastes of it into the world around us. And so, Lord, this morning as we once more come before you, we ask that you would give us open hearts and minds to receive the message you have for us. And Lord, I pray that the words of my lips and the meditation of my heart would be pleasing in your sight, O God, who is indeed our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, as I said at the start of the service, Advent comes from this word arrival. And we are reminded that we are an in-between people. We are people who live between the first and the second coming of Jesus. And so during the Advent season and at Christmas, yes, we look back to that very first Christmas, that time when God first entered into our world to rescue us and to walk with us. But we also look forward to the day when he will come again in glory. And we ask the question, how do we live as Advent people? It's part of the reason why during the Advent season we focus on certain words. Each week in Advent has a a different theme. The first week was hope. We also uh, will focus on joy and love, but this week the word is peace. What does it really mean to be a people of peace? You see, I think often when we talk about uh, peace in our world today, we talk about the absence of something, right? Peace is the absence of conflict. It's the absence of war. It's the absence of violence. It's the absence of arguing uh, between peoples, whether they're within our family or within our community. Peace is really about the ceasing of something, the stopping of something. But what I find interesting is when you look at what the Bible has to say about peace, it has something far deeper and far more robust in mind. The peace that God desires to bring into our world is something unlike anything that we've ever experienced and yet something that we desperately long for. And so to help us really reflect on that, I want us to actually look at the book of Isaiah this morning. Isaiah was a prophet who uh, basically his job was to bring God's word to God's people. And Isaiah is a book that we often read during Advent because it gives us insight into some of these words like peace. So if you have your Bibles with you, I want to encourage you to open up to Isaiah chapter 2. If you're using the Pew Bible uh, that's in front of you, you're probably going to want to take a look at um, page 567. We're going to be looking at Isaiah chapter 2. So that's page 567 in your Pew Bible. And just a reminder a little bit about Isaiah as you're turning uh, to that passage. Isaiah really had a twofold message for God's people. 
On the one hand, he was sent by God to proclaim judgment. And the reason why was because God's people had actually turned their back on God. And more than that, they were, they were then living as the, as the nations around them were living. They were engaging in all kinds of warfare and violence, wickedness and injustice, cruelty and slavery. They were people who had very much lost their way as God's people. And so God sends Isaiah and he says, I want you to proclaim a message of judgment to warn my people that if they do not stop, if they do not turn, I will bring justice upon their nation in the form of Assyria and Babylon. I will cut their nation down. I will humble them unless they turn from their wickedness and return to me. And oftentimes when people think about the biblical prophets, that's what they typically think of. They think of guys who are kind of obscure, bringing really, really hard words to God's people. But to do so is to miss another theme in Isaiah's teaching and preaching that was just as prominent, if not more so. And that was the message of hope that Isaiah was sent to bring. To tell the people, look, when you, when you follow God, when God truly reigns as the Lord over your people, over your land, over this world, he rules in order to bring hope. And it's in Isaiah chapter 2 that we actually hear one of the very first messages of hope that Isaiah speaks to God's people. This is what he says. He says, it shall come to pass in the latter days, the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and all the nations shall flow to it. And many people shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall decide disputes for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come. Let us walk in the light of the Lord. This first message that Isaiah brings to God's people is a message of peace. And it's an interesting message of peace because it's not just about the end of war. It's rather about our very world being transformed to where we don't even know of conflict anymore. It's about a day when not only will wars cease, but weapons of war will be fashioned into tools for the harvest. The picture that Isaiah paints is actually of all nations, all people dwelling together as one people, in harmony, living together as one family that is being ruled over by the God who loves them. It's a picture of peace the way the Bible understands peace. And one of the things that I find so interesting is that as you read through the Bible and you look at the various passages where, where the word peace is translated, they're often translating the Hebrew word shalom. And what I love about the word shalom is that what shalom actually means is wholeness or completeness. That when the Bible talks about God bringing peace, it uses this word shalom to talk about what God is going to do to make our world whole again. Because the truth is, is we look at our world around us and we almost instinctually know that there is something wrong. That there's something broken in this world and we desperately desire to see it healed and made new. 
And what's so amazing is that throughout the scriptures, people encounter little glimpses of this peace. And what we find is that the moment they do, they are desperate to see it made into a reality. One of my favorite stories is actually about a king who comes to power shortly after Isaiah dies. Almost a contemporary of Isaiah, and his name was Josiah. And King Josiah actually uh, came, uh, he, he was anointed king when he was only eight years old. And what's interesting is that his father and his grandfather before him were actually marked down as some of the most wicked kings in the history of Josiah's people. But Josiah was different. Josiah, the moment he came to his throne, said, you know what? Yahweh is really our God. And we are supposed to be his people. And during his, uh, the early years of his reign as king, he started to bring about these reforms because he desperately desired that his people would once more know who God is and follow him. But it, what's fascinating is Josiah begins a lot of these reforms without even knowing what he's really doing <laughs> because in that time, people had forgotten who God was. They'd forgotten the story of their faith. They'd forgotten what it meant to live as God's people until Josiah undertakes a project to restore the temple in Jerusalem. And it's during that construction, that renovation, that one of his uh, advisors comes to him and he says, as we are renovating the temple, look, we found the book of the law. What he was bringing to King Josiah were the scrolls of Moses, the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, books that the people of Israel had lost. In fact, the people of God had lost the word of God in the house of God. And I think that that's kind of a message for us today. I think many of us have lost the word of God in the house of God. And yet, when they rediscover it, what Josiah does is he says, I want you to read it to me. And so his advisor begins to read him the story beginning in Genesis and going all the way to the end of Deuteronomy. He tells him the story about how God was a God of love who out of darkness and chaos brought forth light and created all things, the earth and the sea and everything that is in it. That he made the birds and the fish and the animals. That he set the stars in the heavens and the moon and the sun to give us their light. And ultimately created human beings in his image to walk with him, to know him, to love him. How this God looked over all he made and said, it is very good. He heard the story of how God chose this one small family, Abraham and Sarah, and made them a promise and said, through you I will bless all the nations of the earth. He heard the story about how this God watched over those people and that family as they grew. How he delivered them from slavery in Egypt and brought them to freedom. How he gave them his laws and his ways on Mount Sinai and brought them into the promised land. He heard about what it meant to live truly as God's people. People who know God's character, his love, his grace, his mercy, and who are shaped by that in the laws that they have and the ways in which they govern themselves and one another. And as Josiah heard this story being read for the first time in generations, he started to weep. He wept because that is what he desired for his people. He wanted them to know the shalom of God. He wanted them to know a peace that refashions the world and makes it good once more. 
He wanted them to know the peace that comes when the God who created all things remakes all things in the way that they were always intended to be. That Josiah, even though he was king, ruling over a kingdom and had every material wealth and comfort, knew that there was something deeper that his people desperately needed. They needed the true king. And I think, honestly, if, if, if we think about ourselves as Advent people, that's really what we long for as well. I find it just incredible that if you actually take the amount of money that Americans spend on buying Christmas gifts every single year, you took all those billions because it is in the billions. If we were to redirect that, you could actually provide clean water for the rest of the world. I don't know if you realize that. We spend over $10 billion on Christmas presents every year. If we were just to redirect that, it would actually provide clean drinking water for the entire planet. You see, in the midst of like our acquiring of more, in the midst of our great wealth and prosperity, I think deep down at Christmas time, we know that there's supposed to be something more. It's a longing for shalom. It's a longing for the peace because honestly, we look around at our world and we see communities that are swept away by wildfires and tsunamis and earthquakes, and we say, that is not right. We turn on the news and we hear about violence and warfare and bloodshed and we said, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. We look at our lives with all of our prosperity and our jobs and our careers and our success and we still feel unfulfilled and say there has to be something more and the message of Isaiah is that there is. That what we truly long for is for the world to be remade, for all the brokenness to be healed for the violence to be brought to nothing and for love and peace and justice and mercy and goodness to reign. We want the world to be made whole. It's the same cry of Josiah. We hear the story and we say, I want to see that story break into our world. And that's where I think, again, Isaiah's words come in because Isaiah says that there will come a day when God will bring that kind of shalom into the world. He speaks about it in Isaiah chapter 9, where he says, The people who walked in great darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. Lord, you have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest. As they are glad when they divide the spoil for the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. Every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult, every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulder. And his name shall be called a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of shalom. Prince of peace. And of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Isaiah says one day there will come a king. A king greater than Josiah. A king greater than any of the rulers of this world. 
For that king will not just be a king to rule over an earthly kingdom, but he will be God himself who will rule over all creation. And when he does, he will bring shalom in its fullness. He will remake the whole world and once more declare it very good. He will make all things new and wipe away every tear from our eyes so that there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain anymore for the old things will have passed away and the new will have come. That was what Josiah longed to see. That kind of king entering into our world to bring peace. Which is why at Advent, we have a hope that is truly worth celebrating because we know that peace which has been given. Love what the Apostle Paul says in Colossians 1, verses 19 to 20, speaking about Jesus. He says that, For in Christ all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on, <laughs> whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by, his blood, by the blood of his cross. See, what we celebrate at Advent is that that king has come and that he will come again. That that king came first to give us peace with God. The God who's, whom we've turned our backs against. The God whom we've rebelled against. Jesus came and said, I as your king will lay down my life in order to reconcile you to your God. I will give you that peace and one day I will come again. And that peace, that shalom will fill the earth from one end to the other. I was recently reading this quote by Christian author Jamie Arpin Ricci talking about this gift of peace that we have in Jesus. He said, Shalom is what love looks like in the flesh. The embodiment of love in the context of a broken creation, Shalom is a hint of what was, of what should be, and of what will one day be again. Where sin disintegrates and isolates, Shalom brings together and restores. See, that is what Jesus came to give us. To take all the ways in which we've rebelled against God, in which sin has isolated and disintegrated, in which sin has broken our world and led us into a place of darkness and strife, Jesus came and says, I have forgiven it all. I have washed it away. You have peace with the God who loves you, with the God who made you, with the God who came into this world to save you. And now through you, Foretastes of that shalom will be given to the world until the day comes when I will make all things new. Part of the reason we as Advent people have hope that God will do that one day is because of what we've seen him already do in Christ. That he came to live, died, and rose again. And because of that, we can believe that one day we will see a world in which shalom reigns over all. But in the meantime, we as God's people give foretastes of that shalom to those around us. It's part of the reason this morning we have the opportunity to hear from one of our missions partners, an organization called Josiah Venture. They're named after that king, Josiah, out of a deep desire to see God bring his shalom and peace to a new generation they work in Central and Eastern Europe, and we specifically partner with the work that Josiah Venture is doing in Estonia. And this morning, we wanted to give you a chance to hear about how they are being people of peace, ambassadors of that kingdom of God, where God has placed them in Europe. So listen to this. King Josiah was only 16 years old when he began seeking God. 
Kings 26, God had used this young ruler to bring revival, leading his people back to the truth. Today, Central and Eastern Europe desperately needs its own Josiahs, young men and women who are ready and willing to lead people to Christ. God has called Josiah Venture to be a part of this movement. Every day we see him working as we share Jesus with young people through our English and music camps, performing arts and sports ministries. As we train students and leaders, raising up men and women who are committed to Christ and discipling others. As we partner with local churches to build healthy, reproducing communities of believers. God is changing lives and he's changing countries. It's happening now. But we know this is just the beginning. God is asking us to follow him as he continues to bring hope and life to this generation. Greetings from Estonia. My name is Vahor Gobin and I am the country team leader of Josiah Venture team here in Estonia. And a little bit about our country. Uh, we were being occupied by the Soviet Union and the, by the communism for, for many years. And after the fall of communism, there was a whole new generation in Estonia that were being taught to ignore the church and avoid it and its message. I often think about King Josiah, the ruler of Judah. His country was full of uh, false worship, full of idols. And actually this has been even generations before him. Even his grandfather, even his dad, the kings of Judah were wicked in the eyes of the Lord. So he grew up in a pretty desperate uh, kingdom. Even though becoming king at a very young age, he chose to follow God. He chose to restore the, restore the reading of the God's word. He took down the high altars and false worship. And this is something what we want to see in Estonia as well. Young men and women, just like King Josiah, uh, restoring uh, the authority of God's word, restoring the brokenness and restoring the worship of one true God. Why Estonia? Estonia is actually one of the most secular countries in the world and despite the success, despite the growth, people are hungry, people are spiritually hungry and the desire for something more. And we believe that God is on his mission and he wants to do something through the local churches and we want to be part of that. to invite you to be part of it. 
If you love the Lord and young people, then I'm asking you to be part and join us for this upcoming summer trip to Estonia. Thank you so much for your prayers and your partnership with us. Just a little bit of what it looks like to bring peace during this Advent season. You know, as I've had a chance to talk with Vahur and some of the other leaders of Josiah Venture, one of the things that they told us is that Estonia is one of the great emerging economies of the world. It's actually incredibly wealthy. Uh, for anybody who's used Skype, you can thank Estonia because that's where Skype was invented, actually. It's this country that has only enjoyed peace since 1991, and yet in the midst of all this peace and prosperity, the one thing he says is he says, I continually find people who long for so much more. You say, it's not the prosperity that we desperately need. It's not even the political stability, as good as that is. What we desire is a kind of peace that brings purpose and hope, a kind of peace that gives new life, and brings joy and love and acceptance. And so it's been through Josiah Venture's mission as they've gone about telling the story of the God of peace that they've seen lives transformed, that they're watching as their entire country is having a spiritual reawakening to the beauty and the good news of Jesus as young people are starting to now ask the question, how do we use the blessings and the responsibility that we've been given to bring peace and hope and joy and love to those who don't have, to those who long to see this world made new? We have an invitation from Josiah Venture, yes, to join them every summer, to go over there and to be a part of the mission of bringing peace, real shalom to that country. But that doesn't have to wait until the summer. It's what it means to be Advent people now. That in this in-between time, as we wait for that day when Christ will come and make all things new, we give people foretastes of peace now. During this holiday season, we have so many opportunities to just sit across a table with someone and to let them know that they're seen, that they're loved, that they matter to God. We have opportunities to give them hope in tangible ways, to help them see shalom in real ways, but through how we serve together, through our community impact opportunities, which you can hear about as you leave this morning. Just stop by the table that's over there on the right to find out how you can be a part of bringing foretaste of shalom to those in need. That's really what it means, though, to give the gift of peace, is to be captivated by a vision of a world made new and to live every single day in light of that world Asking, Lord, how can I bring your peace to those around me? That's what it means to be ambassadors for Christ, who is indeed our Prince of Peace and in whose name we say, Amen.